Welcome to the Women Winning at Weight Loss podcast. Have you found yourself trapped on the weight loss journey, losing and regaining the same 20 pounds? Are you tired of starving yourself, eating less calories than your toddler, and making the gym your second home is just not an option? Then you're in the right place. Hi, I'm Anna J. Fit, weight loss and mental fitness coach, and in this podcast, I'll teach you exactly what to do to lose the weight sustainably and never gain it back. Let's dive in. What's up, ladies? I am so excited for today's episode. This is my very first official podcast episode, and I feel like it's only right for me to properly introduce myself, tell you about my weight loss story or my weight loss struggle, and what ultimately led me to making fitness, weight loss coaching my career path. So I'm going to take you back to 2009. When I got pregnant with my first child, my daughter, her name is Denise, and during that pregnancy, I gained 65 pounds. Before getting pregnant, I had been relatively athletic, um, curvy, but slim, toned, basically my entire life. So I really took that for granted. I played ball. So for me, being athletic, being, you know, having endurance, being strong, etc., was something that was kind of always part of my life growing up. Not exercising, you know, specifically in the weight room and things like that, but just being fit, being in shape, and not struggling with my weight. That had just been my life. So here I am getting pregnant in 2009. I'm gaining 65 pounds. And after having my daughter, I sunk into a very deep depression, which later on turned out to be postpartum depression. However, I was never officially diagnosed. I didn't even know that this was a thing. I was not educated. I, my physicians didn't have these types of conversations with me. And unfortunately, I just fell through the cracks. My mental health fell through the cracks. And I wasn't properly served or taken care of, paired with the fact that I just didn't have a clue. Let's just be honest. Let's just face it. So... I had all these symptoms of postpartum depression. I just did not feel like myself emotionally, mentally, but I ended up blaming all of those feelings on the fact that I had gained so much weight and how it took a significant blow to my confidence. Like it, it, it hit me so hard, not recognizing my body and trying to adjust to motherhood. And let's be honest, becoming a mom like overnight for the very first time, right, um, is such a huge change of life events. Like it just changes you on and your entire dynamics, your life in so many ways, right? So I was trying to come to terms with becoming a mom, trying to embrace the process, trying to be grateful for my daughter, all these other things. I'm saying trying because the entire process was literally trying, at the same time, I'm looking down at my body. I got all these rolls, the skin, all these stretch marks that were never there before. My boobs are sagging. You know what I mean if you've had kids, right? And I just felt unrecognizable. Let me put it that way. I hated the body that I was living in at that point. And this was all a very new feeling to me, but also not a good one, not a pleasant one. And this is what start, this is where I pinpoint very specifically my journey starting with literally self-hate and developing this toxic internal dialogue, you know, like literally avoiding mirrors or when I would see myself or when I would look down at my belly and my stretch marks, I didn't feel an ounce of gratitude. It was more so, oh my God, look at you just looking disgusting. Like what happened to you? 
right? I couldn't fit into any of my clothes. I felt so embarrassed. I felt ashamed. And it really started to affect my, in, in addition to confidence, but also like my desire or ability to be intimate with my husband at the time. I didn't have no desire. I didn't feel sexy anymore or desirable. And also I just kind of completely cut off my social life. I didn't want to go anywhere. I didn't want to be seen. Plus, I didn't want to wear any cute clothes because I felt disgusting. So it just really changed my entire life. And aside from me, you know, blaming my body, blaming the weight gain, um, blaming myself for basically looking like this and hating every bit of it, it kind of led me or fueled me to develop this toxic relationship with food. So I would start with detox teas, I mean aggressive detox teas, aggressive detox pills, every single shortcut I could find, like fat burners, weight loss pills. And I started to become literally afraid of eating food and enjoying food, started to feel guilt and even liking foods. It's kind of like, oh my God, this is a sin. Like I should just push away all these plates and just never eat again. And I started to tell myself things like, man, I wish I just did, did not eat, need food. And I remember vividly like nights going to sleep hungry because I was determined to get rid of this weight. And I started to convince myself that food was the problem. If I would just eat less, then obviously I would develop the physique that I want. I would drop these 50 plus pounds at that point, right? And that's kind of the mindset that I started to build and design for myself. Obviously, super toxic, incredibly unhealthy. And then I took it a step further with, you know, realizing, hey, I probably need to be exercising. This is the, the missing element, the missing piece here on my journey. So I'm about to really go hard. I was too self-conscious and insecure to actually go into a gym. So I started off, and I remember this, but I started off in the apartment that we were living in on the second floor doing uh Shanti's insanity program. Now imagine like I'm totally out of shape. Uh, I have not been working out at that point. It's been like years. I am severely overweight, right? Uh, and here I am killing myself in my living room, second floor uh, of our apartment and doing these insane. I mean, the name is very fitting, but these insane, intense workouts and I was literally killing myself with the cardio, abusing my body. Looking back, I was literally abusing my body with an insane overload of cardio. Over the years, though, the mental part got worse. But I just think I neglected a lot of that and just kept, you know, suppressing what was going on with my mental and my emotional health declining over time. <clears throat> and... I just continued to suppress it and continue focusing on just going super hard with my workouts. By that time, I done made it into the gym. I started to build up that confidence and the strength. But I thought that I was in a really good place and that I was feeling good and I was healthy and I was happy. But really, internally, I was not well whatsoever, mentally and emotionally. But I just kept focusing on my outside health, on my body, my physical health, right? Because I kept convincing myself, if I'm just gonna, if I'm just gonna build the body of my dreams, if I just tone up, if I've just, you know, build up these curves, if I just drop the weight and hit, you know, my goal, my ideal size and weight, I'm gonna be happy. Like everything's gonna be great. I'll be fine. But 
my marriage was literally falling apart. And I think that my husband and I were really just not good partners to start off with. And I still had literally never gotten through or gotten over or processed my postpartum depression. And I mean, obviously I hadn't gotten help, gotten help, no diagnosis, no support with that. And it just kept lingering on over the years, but I kept suppressing it. So fast forward to 2014 and I had just started a brand new job. We were, we moved to uh, Georgia. So we moved away from Mississippi, moved to a new state. So a lot of, you know, pretty big and important changes in my life. And I remember vividly this particular day in 2014 at this new job, standing in the middle of the office and out of nowhere, I got really dizzy, lightheaded. I felt so hot, like burning out of nowhere. And I felt like jumping out of my clothes and all of a sudden I just couldn't breathe right. It's like my heart was racing and I had trouble breathing like an elephant was literally sitting on my chest. And you know, we're in 2023 now and you describe symptoms like that to literally almost anybody, the, the perfect stranger. It doesn't matter whoever, right? And they're going to say, oh yeah, that sounds a lot like anxiety. Right. But back to 2014, I don't have this type of education. We never talked about mental health issues or anything like that growing up in my family. And it's, it's just crazy, but how not being aware and how little this was even talked about. 2014 is not that long ago, but literally we're talking a lot more about these things in 2023 and a lot free, more freely, right? Which I think is great. But <clears throat> so that happened. And I felt this urge, intense urge to just run out the room, disappear, go hide under a rock. And so that's exactly what I did. And I drove home just because I was literally just like four or five minutes from home. But I, I was speeding windows down, air conditioning on, taking off my clothes. I was just burning up and I just did not understand what was going on. But I was really feel, not feeling well. I got home. I passed out on my bathroom floor at the time. I was still married. My husband came home, found me passed out on the bathroom floor, rushed me to the emergency room. From that day on, so from the time that this happened, I ended up literally bedridden for the next eight to nine months. I mean, by far the hardest time of my life, the, the most difficult, painful uh, experience to have to go through, especially being super healthy, physically fit, a productive citizen, always, you know, working, making my own money, studying, going to school, etc. Then all of a sudden, here I am in a bed for nine months. The numerous visits to the ER, to the doctor, to the clinic, etc. All these conversations that I had, they didn't lead to a diagnosis, didn't lead to answers. And that's literally what I was just at that point dying for. Somebody just tell me what the hell is wrong with me. Because I felt like, hey, if I can get a diagnosis, if I have answers, then we can move on to the next phase, which is how do we solve this shit? How do I come back to life? How do I, you know, get back out of bed and go back to being Anna? And I couldn't get answers. Lab work, te lab tests, all kinds of exams, all kinds of doctor's visits, no answers. Everything always came fine. They always said, oh, you're, you're young, you're healthy. There's nothing wrong with you. We just don't have an explanation. Every single day for those next nine plus months, I was so weak that I couldn't get out of bed. I stopped taking showers for the most part. I had no desire. I didn't do my hair anymore. Makeup? What the hell was makeup? Um, I just laid in bed 
like basically a dead person. Like I had no life left in me, no desire to talk to anyone, to do anything, to go anywhere. I completely withdrew and isolated from the world. I didn't even answer phone calls, text messages I avoided. At that time, I used to always Skype with my parents. Excuse me. And even that I was avoiding as much as possible because obviously, you know, that camera time, (laughs) I was not trying to do that because I looked terrible. Like I looked sick and not well. So all I did was cry, 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 cry. You said, no, I cried. Yes, I cried. Everything just made me cry. And I lost my appetite. So I stopped eating. I lost like 30 pounds in the matter of just a couple of weeks, but it was really like the sickly type of weight loss, you know, uh, clothes falling off of me, no curves left at that point, And just, just ribs and bones poking out. It's just not a good look. And I had uh, I had nightmares, vivid nightmares every single night, and I was sleeping an average of 16 plus hours. If you know anything about depression and anxiety, boom, here you go. This is like the typical list of, you know, common signs and symptoms of clinical depression. And the anxiety was atrocious to the point where I couldn't even get to my front door, forget going into the world. So I literally did not go anywhere except for ER visits, doctor's appointments when I couldn't take it anymore for the next nine months. And one day, you know, I started to just get to the point where I was feeling hopeless, discouraged. You know what? I think that my family's at this point is better off without me because like, I can't even be a mom to my daughter. All she does is see me lay in bed, see me cry. I can't even raise her properly. I'm not being much of a wife anymore. I don't really want to have anything to do with my husband or anybody else for that matter. You know what? Maybe I just need to think about an exit strategy. And so this is where I sunk into the absolute darkest time of my life where I literally was starting to make a plan to commit suicide. And that's scary. Like even now talking about it, looking back, I'm like, wow. But yeah, because I was in so much pain and so much suffering and I didn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I wasn't getting answers. I wasn't getting a proper diagnosis. There was no medication. There's no solution. Like, what am I doing here? At this point, let me just... Let me just be, just take myself out of this world because there's no point. And as I got closer and closer to actually going through with this, I went to sleep, had a super vivid nightmare, nothing new there, except that my daughter was in this nightmare and harm was coming her way, but I was nowhere to be found. I woke up out of that and I had an entire conversation with God because this was such a reality check for me. So if I go through with this, if I commit suicide, if I follow through with my exit strategy, my exit plan, who will protect my daughter? And that was like the slap in the face. And so I came to God and I said, God, listen, look, look, okay. Like I hear you loud and clear. I can't do this. Um, you know, forgive me for even contemplating it or, Make even making that that decision in my head, right? I'm backtracking. I hear you. This is not what I'm gonna do. This is not the plan for me. Pull me through this. Help me get through this, one way or another. Help me see the light. And I promise you, I will do the work. But even more so, I promise you, whatever it is that you have in store for me coming out of this, and I have to laugh because God is full of surprises and jokes. I will fulfill my mission, fulfill my duty. I will pay you back however it is that you want, whatever it is that you want me to do. 
And so that's basically what happened. So I started to feel this urge to just educate myself, do research, put my symptoms together, stop relying on doctors and medicine and whatever to try to figure out what's wrong with me because at this point I'm not getting answers. I'd have made this pact uh, with God. So now I got to act on this. And all my research conclusion was, honey, this is clinical depression and generalized anxiety, but it's like really severe. You need probably need medical help. You need to be medicated. You need to go to therapy, et cetera, et cetera. Went back to my doctor and I was like, listen, doc, no offense, but all this time y'all been missing what's really going on with me. It's not. And I remember pointing to my head crying and I was like, doc, it's up here. It's up here. It's not my body. All this time you've been looking at my body and my blood work and all that good stuff and my vitals. It's up here. It's my head. I done lost my shit. And I told her, I was like, I am crazy. I need to be put up somewhere. I am. I have been contemplating suicide. Like I done, done lost my mind. I don't know what's going on with me, but I am literally nuts. And she just let me cry, vent, you know, talk it out. She was a great doc. No lie. And she suggested that I, you know, go ahead and give antidepressants and anxiety meds a try. And, you know, where I come from and in the African-American community and then especially in the South, we don't believe in stuff like that. So immediately from the few people around me that I, you know, confided in, don't take those meds, Anna. No, you're going to commit suicide. I done heard all kinds of stuff about that. Don't take it. You're going to be dependent for the rest of your life. You don't want to do that. And let me tell you. I am so glad that I continue to just listen to God and look to God for my guidance and proper answers. And I follow that. And I surely <laughs> took those meds. I am eternally grateful for that versus listening to the people around me because within the first 21 days on those meds, I started to see the light. And it started with me with regaining my appetite. When you think about it, food is your source of life. I didn't have that for months. And all of a sudden it was like, whoa, wait, I want food. Oh my God. Like the excitement of eating certain things again, right? Finding my, um, you know, satisfying my taste buds again. Amazing. And I was like, oh my God, I'm coming back to life. There's a sign there that I, there's hope. Anna's going to come back. So, but I realized, hey, continuing to educate myself, doing research, medication is just one piece of the puzzle. This is a puzzle. And from reading, everything was saying, hey, you know, incorporate holistic approaches and methods. So go to counseling, potentially seek a psychiatrist. Also, movement, physical movement, exercise, spend time sitting in the sun, get to soak up that vitamin D, right? And how therapeutic the sun is. Uh, Incorporate essential oil therapy, and a lot of ton of self-care, journaling, praying, going to church, you name it. And so I was like, all right, that's it. You know, I made my pack with God. I got to figure out all these puzzles to, I mean, all these pieces and match them perfectly into my puzzle so I can come back to life. And this is when I stopped saying, I'm going to come back. I'm going to be Anna again. And I started saying, no, I think I understand that coming out of this, I'm going to be Anna 2.0. And that's exactly what happened. So I started putting these pieces together and this process was literally fascinating now that I think about it. And medication was one of those pieces. Um, I went back to church and I got baptized. That was amazing. And I was like, that's definitely one of the pieces here. I started incorporating and studying essential oils and how to incorporate that type of therapy into my life. 
But also, I was like, all right, Anna, you've been fit for the mo- most of your life. You've exercised like a crazy person. You have found yourself, you're, you're way back into the gym and you were consistent with your workouts and you enjoyed it and you loved it. And remember how I was giving you life and you had this like natural high from your workouts? Bam, you need to find your way back into the gym. Once I realized that, I was like, all right, that's it. I'm doing it. No holding back. No take backs. I make this pact with God. So I was like, you know what I'm going to start doing? I'm going to start really speaking life into myself and into my journey of healing and recovery. And every time I do something, take a little baby step, make a little bit more progress on this journey, I'm going to make sure that I pat myself on the back. Literally, physically, I would pat myself on the back, that I would applaud, I would clap for myself, and I would say things like, girl, you got this. You did this. Look at you coming back to life. Look at you, Anna 2.0 in the making. This is phenomenal. And so part of that was, all right, day one, I'm going to make it back to the front door. Day two, open up the front door, go outside in your driveway, kind of, you know, peep, peep the neighborhood, something like that. Sounds super simple and basic, but listen, I didn't do that for like nine months. And the depression and anxiety was so crippling that these little baby steps were really hard to take. All right, I'm going to get back acquainted with my vehicle. Day three, I'm just going to sit in there, touch my steering wheel, just talk to my car, talk to myself. I mean, I'm sure people thought I was nuts, but I don't care. Like I was determined. I was committed. Next step was I'm going to start driving my car just around the neighborhood just to get back, gain back my confidence with the vehicle. And fast forward, then it was, hey, I'm going to go into a grocery store. See how that works. And let me tell you, Going into a grocery store, major anxiety. I would stand there. People probably thought that I was perfectly fine, which is a great testimony, by the way, of we don't know what people are going through from looking at them. I would smile at people. I would speak, etc. The whole time inside within, my heart was racing. I was having mini anxiety attacks all the time around people. But I kept pushing through. And I was like, it's okay. Worst case scenario, you just run back to the car and take a deep breath. It's fine. No pressure, girl. And I had to keep talking myself through this. Become my biggest cheerleader. That's what I learned. I had a gym membership still uh, valid at the time it was Gold's Gym. Obviously, I had been paying for like the last year and I never went. Which, by the way, doesn't make me any different than most Americans who have a gym membership. Um, So I didn't feel bad about that part. So drove into the Gold's Gym parking lot, looked at the gym, was like, okay, cool, awesome, go back home. Come back next day, walk inside of Gold's, just scan that card, go back to the car. And progressively over time, I made it onto the treadmill, started off with five-minute walks, increased it over time. Eventually, I ended up being able to handle physically, mentally, emotionally about an hour on a treadmill. And then I said, you know what? I think it's time for me to take this to the next level. Now that I've mastered the treadmill, I'm good with walking. I think I need a a little bit more of a challenge. So next level challenge was let me go look at the class schedule at Gold's Gym. And let me pick the class that is like going to be the least demanding, the least physical. Because remember, I have lost 30 pounds from not eating. I have no muscle mass left. I am struggling. I'm still dizzy, fatigued every single day. Every single day I was fighting this battle. So I'm like, you know what? I think Zumba is going to be like the least challenging thing ever. So I made the commitment. I'm come back 
tomorrow and I'm going to hop into this Zumba class. The irony here, and this is really important, years prior when I was like really killing myself in the gym with my boot camp and all kinds of cardio that I was doing on the machines and the classes and everything, I kept making fun of people who were going to Zumba classes and I kept telling them, you're wasting your time. That does nothing for your body. That's not how you lose weight. That is not how you tone up. What a waste of time. Y'all just in there shaking hips and, and, and doing all that cute stuff. But it does absolutely not a damn thing for your body goals. And boy, was I humbled. Which is why I say, you know, God has an, ex- a, a, an outstanding sense of humor. <laughs> because humbled me all the way. Here I am years later. And I'm like. Well, shit, I guess I'm going to have to go and uh, start from the very bottom, quote unquote bottom, and go to a Zumba class. So I go to the Zumba class. I'm hiding in the very back row. It was a huge studio. She averaged like 40 people. This is obviously pre-COVID, but she averaged like 40 some people per class. It was lit. It was live. It was like a party every single week. Loud music, a ho- hollering, screaming, hooping, all kinds of stuff. Amazing. So I'm hiding in the back row, super self-conscious still. I'm still weak, dizzy, fatigued. I'm still battling. I'm still like highly dependent on my meds to make it through a day. And the anxiety is still very high when I'm around people. Now imagine me in a Zumba class, anxiety written. I'm with all these folks up in there. I don't know these steps. I don't know the music. I ain't never been in this class. And I've been judging the hell out of everybody who's been taking a Zumba class for the last freaking 10 years. But here I am. So yeah, that was a lot. So started off with like five, 10 minutes. Then I just ran out the class. I was like, all right, every single week, I'm going to stay five minutes longer. You guessed it. Eventually, I was 60 minutes in. I could handle it. And this became the highlight of my week every single week this shit was better than medicine this shit was better than actual therapy like this right here and i had this conversation with a therapist just a week or so ago when i did an interview where i talked about this but and she you know she said something that hit me so hard she was like zumba became your therapeutic intervention And I'm like, yes, that is it. That's exactly it. Every single week, I was looking forward to that 60-minute Zumba session. Like that was, hello, therapy, here I come. And I'm telling you, Zumba brought me back to life. Zumba sparked the fire in me. It was like, damn, I'm literally living again. I'm alive. Leaving all my problems at the door, leaving my depression, my anxiety, my, my, my limiting beliefs, you name it. None of that mattered once I got into the Zumba class and started dancing and, and moving those hips and shaking and, and that music just did something to me. So a couple months into this of me religiously, faithfully never missing a class. And I remember that lady's name. Her name was Shay. I don't think she... I hope that one day she realizes the type of impact that she had on me because I'm willing to bet that she had that type of impact on other women too. But again, these are things we don't talk about. So who knows? We like to suffer and, and, and be in pain behind closed doors, right? So from the very back row, I moved on slowly but surely closer and closer and closer to the front. And one day Shay was late. 
She was running late and I'm in the front row. Like I'm ready to get it on. And somebody stops me. Actually, it was three, three other um, participants that stopped me and were like, are you teaching a class today? And I was like, what? Totally baffled. Probably red in the face. No. What are you talking about? What you mean? Teach a class. What? I mean, y'all must have the wrong girl. And they're like, no, we've been seeing you, girl. You got moves. Like, you got a gift. You know all, sh all of Shay's um, steps, routines, and everything. Do you, do you teach? You're a Zoom instructor, right? No. And they were like, oh, we assumed that you were a Zoom instructor. That's why we thought that maybe you're subbing for her since she's not here. And I was like, no, I, I mean, I'm guessing she's just late or something, but I am not a Zoom instructor. No, no, no. And I almost was like offended. How dare they think that I'm a Zoom instructor? I ain't no fitness instructor. What? No, not me. Mm -mm. Y'all got the wrong girl. What I didn't realize at the time was that God sent them to plant some seeds. And God has a funny way of doing that. Like if you don't listen to him, you're not doing what he asking you to do. Then he starts sending people in your circle, in your environment, right? And they keep repeating these things. Have you ever had that? Where you're like, you hear the same message over and over again. But it's like things that you hear on randomly on YouTube, randomly on the radio, randomly on a the podcast. Then randomly your neighbor comes to you while you're taking out the trash and tells you the same thing. And it's like, what the fuck? I think that I'm, I think, I, I think something else going on here. Well, that's exactly how it was for me. So I became friends with this other girl who was an avid Zumba fanatic and she would go every single week. She and miss a beat. And it was her dream for whatever crazy reason to become a Zumba instructor. So she had been suffering with depression and anxiety really badly too. Plus she was going through a divorce. Interesting. We became friends and then we were able to be open about our battles and talk about our suffering. No judgment involved. It was liberating. And she convinced me to go with her to the Zumba certification training that was up in Atlanta. And I was super reluctant because I have no intentions, no, nor does no desire to become a Zumba instructor. But she was so firm. Come with me, please. I mean, you don't have to teach. You don't have to teach. Like I'll pay for you. You don't have to teach. But I want to go and... Literally, I'm too afraid to go by myself. Please come with me. Okay, fine, whatever. I'm going. So we went, got certified, had a blast, so much fun. I have no intentions of utilizing this certification ever. This ain't, this is not the plan for me in my life. So we come back to uh, where we live. So we live in Augusta. And literally, the following week, one of our local wise was looking for a Zumba instructor and they had opened up a um, new, new schedule for a new class and they were in dire need of somebody and they, they didn't have, it sounded like they didn't have much options. And then somebody, when I told them, I was a member at the Y, by the way, and I was, I was working out there, but somebody told them, hey, um, Anna, she's a newly certified Zumba instructor and she got some skills, like she can move. You should call her. So I get a phone call and I'm like, what the fuck? Hey, Anna, blah, 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 blah. This is so-and-so from the Y. We got this new, um, we got a spot for 
a Zumba instructor. We added this new class by um, due to popular demand on our schedule, but we don't have anybody to teach it. So we're looking for Zumba instructors to, uh, you know, apply, audition, etc. We just we heard that you just got you just got certified. So figured that maybe this would be a great opportunity for you. Are you interested? And I took a deep breath because in my mind, I was like, fuck no. I don't want to teach this damn class. I don't want to teach Zumba at all. This, this is a joke, right? Like, gotta be a prank. But something told me. Remember that pact you make with God? Remember when you told God, when you promised God, hey, you pulled me through this. You carried me through this. You helped me come back to life. And whatever plan you got for me, I'm going to follow it. Step by step, from point A to point B, I will follow through. Whatever you got for me, I'm making it happen. And so... I remembered that really quickly before I told her no. It was like, damn it. I think this is part of the plan. I can't turn down this opportunity. This is maybe this is a part of my mission. And I had to go through all that shit to get to this part. Right. So reluctantly, I was like, yeah, sure. Uh, no problem. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that you got my number. Like, I don't even know how this happened. But you know what? Okay, tell me where you want me to be. What do you expect of me so I can come prepared, etc. Following week, I go to um, this meeting. I had three songs that I had practiced for like a whole week. Remember, I had never taught. So I'm like stressed out. I am still dizzy, by the way, every single day. Fatigued. Still battling my... Symptoms of anxiety and depression. But the mission seemed greater. <laughs> the calling would, would not leave me alone. So show up for my audition. She had told me, you're going to present three songs. And then, you know, we'll talk about next steps. Halfway through the first song, she stops me. I remember her hand gesture. Because it instilled so much fear into me. Because I was like, oh my God, am I that bad? Am I that shitty? Fuck, maybe this is not for me. I had all these crazy negative thoughts off the bat, right? And she's like, turn off the music, turn off the music, turn off the music. I turn off the music. And I remember saying, what's wrong? What's wrong? And she was like, oh my God, where have you been? You got the job, you got the gig. You start next week. Your class, I remember vividly, is going to be happening Mondays and Fridays at 6.30 a.m. Now listen, folks, who the hell goes to a Zumba class at 630 in the morning on a Monday and a Friday? I don't know, per se, but I do know because we ended up packing that class and we were reluctant, committed. Um, we were in there every Monday, every Friday, at 630 a.m., having the best time of our lives for an hour. And those were always the most successful, most productive, happiest days ever. It was crazy. So. That's literally how I, how Zumba brought me back to life and how Zumba saved me, you know, ultimately from just never getting back out of bed, committing suicide. But also this was literally like the opening, the gateway to honey, you supposed to, you were, you were exactly where you needed to be in your pain, in your suffering, in your darkest hour, darkest time. All of it was literally put there and you went through it step by step, exactly the way you were supposed to. And all of it coming out of it, right? And starting to teach Zumba, it all made fucking sense. Looking back, I was like, wow, I think I get it. But I hadn't really gotten it because 
There were so many other stepping stones coming, right? And this was just literally the beginning of my evolution and my story and my career um, in fitness and impacting women. So once I started teaching Zumba, I loved the hell out of it. It was amazing. But then people, my body started changing too because I was getting more consistent with working out. I was eating again. I was properly fueling myself. I was speaking life into my body, speaking life into my journey. Every time I went and taught this class, I was like, God, lead me. God, guide me. May this be like the hour that changes, changes someone's life. May this be exactly what it is that these women need in their time of need. Whatever it is that they're suffering from, who, whatever it is. Allow this to touch them. Allow me to touch them in a way that's going to heal them, help them, support them, uplift them, empower them. Because I kept remembering what Chase class did for me. So I kept seeing myself more so as like a messenger, a healer through Zumba, all of that. And then eventually, uh, people kept asking me to teach more classes, different formats, all these other classes. I got certified. The why kept paying for these things. I landed way more classes. And people started talking about me, like, you're so good. And I started to build a really positive reputation. And then before I knew it, I started, I was eating, I was eating, teaching eight plus classes per week at all these different gyms, different formats. And I became a little bit frustrated with the women that would come to my classes because they always had so many questions. How do I get my body to look like this? How do I lose weight? How should I be eating? All these things that I couldn't, I couldn't help them. I couldn't guide them. I didn't have enough time. You know, nor did I have the, um, it wasn't within my, my, my scope of practice professionally to help them with that. And so that planted the seeds for the next step in my journey as a professional. And so I got certified as a, prof a personal trainer and I was like, this is going to help me be able to provide them with real life-changing advice, guidance, tips, etc. I'm going to be able to work with these ladies one-on-one -on -one and really dedicate a lot more time, pour resources and tools and help them change their habits sustainably. This is going to change their lives in a more powerful way. And so I went into personal training and I was doing all of that. And then that just paved the way for even more. So I also was working, I was working full time in hospice and that was my bread and butter. That was my career, right? And I loved hospice. I loved what I did. But deep down, there was like this, this nagging little urge and that wouldn't leave me alone. Like, honey, you, you, you're great at hospice. You got a heart for this, but this ain't really what your life calling is. This is not really what your purpose is ultimately, and I kept thinking, man, if I can just make a, a living out of fitness, if I can just dedicate these 40 hours a week to fitness and women, right? Helping women, empowering women through weight loss, through fitness, etc. Man, I'd be the happiest person ever. That's really what I want. And when COVID happened, I saw COVID as first as the rest of the world as, oh my God, this is awful. This is, this is depressing. This is terrible. I'm scared. I'm anxious. Wow. What the hell? What am I going to do? But I was on the front lines as a single mother of two young children in a state that is not our home, no family, no support system here. And the people I could rely on were in other states and then overseas with lockdowns everywhere. I was like, oh my God, I'm on these front lines for a fucking paycheck every two weeks. My employer doesn't give a shit about me. They're all about the numbers. 
I'm out here in hospitals and nursing homes with no PPE, not prepared, not supported. No one gives a fuck if I end up on a ventilator. And remember, this was at the very beginning. So I had all these fears and so did everybody else. And I went a couple weeks through doing, doing that. My kids were at home, no daycare, no schools, right? Everything was shut down. And I was coming home terrified that I could potentially be bringing this to them. And the fear would not leave me alone. I stopped eating. The depression came back. The anxiety came back. I couldn't eat. I was so stressed out. I couldn't sleep at night. I was literally laying in the bed, eyes wide open, just scared for my life and for my kids. And one night I was like, you know what? Fuck this. There's no way that this is, that this is life. Like I have a gut feeling that there's something greater for me. But right now I'm going to have to make the scariest decision of my life. Take a leap of faith and leave my job. And I resigned. And the rest is history because I poured everything into myself and built such a successful online weight loss coaching business. And I now have, I know I'm now coaching women internationally all over the world. I have clients in the UK, in Australia, and even in Ghana. And looking back, I'm incredibly grateful for the entire experience and how even though it was painful and it was it was dark and it was it was sad and it was rough and it's still heavy when I talk about it, I am eternally grateful for going through that because here I am today and it's January 2023 and I'm like, wow, I'm so glad I went through all of that because that has enabled me to be here today and be here the best version of myself for other women in the world, right? who need a leader, who needs somebody to hold their hand, who needs somebody who understands exactly the pain that they have been through, whether it's weight loss, mental, emotional health, all of it, right? And how to come out of that empowered, changing their lifestyle sustainably, succeeding, building the body of their dreams, all of these goals that we have as women, pouring into our cups, putting ourselves first, but doing it from a, doing it from a place of self-love, um, for our highest good, but then also for the highest good of the people that we serve and the people that we need or that the people that need us, our children, spouses, family members, parents, etc. So that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. I hope that this has inspired you, that this has motivated you. Please share with anyone around you. Um, you never know who this may speak to and whose life this may have an impact on. Thank you for listening to the Women Winning at Weight Loss podcast. If you found today's episode valuable, make sure to share it with other women in your life and head over to Facebook to join the Women Winning at Weight Loss community. We'll see you there.